The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think you're going to uh, certainly enjoy the show today because we have one of racing's most iconic individuals, none other than Tom Durkin, will be joining us. Um, Tom, a lot of people were wondering exactly where he would be going uh, after his, quote, retirement uh, there are a lot of people out there kind of guessing at where he'd end up, and it looks like he's uh, joined forces with Terry Finley at West Point Thoroughbred. So certainly uh, he's going to bring a, a, a lot to the game, and it'll just be interesting in talking about his career and then talking about uh, what's going to happen here in, in the future with Tom Durkin. So very happy uh, that he's going to join us. And then... Uh, also with us is going to be one of the top handicappers that kind of uh, took a strange entrance into the racing game, and his name is Eric Moomy. Now, uh, Moomy uh, just won the final brick-and-mortar national handicapping championship qualifier for the year at Monmouth Park. And so he's going to be eligible, I believe, for an extra $2 million dollar bonus in addition to the first prize of $750,000. The interesting thing about Moomy is he really doesn't use past performances, but he does get on hot streaks. Uh, he's a very aggressive player. I know a lot of you listeners play in a lot of contests. And so it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the racing. I know that he has some secrets, so he's not going to give them all out, but it will be very interesting to, uh, to talk to him since he took uh, a different way to uh, learning about the races, and obviously the system that he uses uh, could be kind of analytical because he has a background in the military. He did space acquisitions, satellites, airplanes, uh, procuring systems for the Air Force. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking uh, to Eric Moomy. And we'll be looking at the, the races, the graded races at Gulfstream Park uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, on Saturday, it'll be the grade three Hutchinson. These are three-year-olds that will be sprinting seven furlongs, hoping they can stretch out the derby distance. And then we're going to go to the Holy Bull. Definitely a uh, derby points race. So these horses are looking down the road to the first Saturday in May. And then uh, we're going to go to the forward gale. These could be fillies that want to stretch out. It's a seven furlong race. So Eric Moomy will be with us and Tom Durkin. Of course, uh, this was one of the biggest weeks in racing, not on the track, but on the podium. Janine Edwards did a great job hosting the Eclipse Awards, and the big boy of the night 
was California Chrome. He came away the big winner, taking home not only champion three-year-old male honors, but horse of the year. And what's interesting is the margin for both titles was a little bit bigger than expected or predicted by a lot of the people we've had on this show. Uh, he uh, took the prize by uh, 90 votes, and we're going to go over uh, the, the different winners. Uh, of course, some of them were easy, uh, untappable, the three-year-old filly, main sequences, the older male and turf, and Take Charge Brandy, who had that great late run as the top two-year-old filly. So here's the, if you didn't catch it, the list of the Eclipse Award winners. Again, uh, Horse of the Year went to California Chrome, uh, quite a distance between him and Main Sequence. The undefeated turf horse was second, while uh, Bayern was third, Shared Belief was fourth. Two-year-old male, very close one, American Pharaoh, who did not make it to the Breeders' Cup because of a physical setback, uh, just uh, finished ahead of Texas Red, of course, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, Hoot Nanny, was third. Again, uh, Take Charge Brandy just slaughtered the competition, Lady Eli and Condo Commando. Uh, as mentioned earlier in the show, California Chrome, uh, decisive winner over Bayern and Shared Belief, the three-year-old filly. She got every single vote. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's happened too often in Eclipse balloting. Untappable three-year-old filly. Older male, told you earlier, it was main sequence over a horse that we have to respect. I'm going to look forward to seeing back at the races this year. Palace Malice and uh, Wise Dan finished third in that category over Golden Sense. Older female, this was an interesting one. A lot of people uh, thinking Day at the Spa might have a shot at it. It was close hatches uh, with authority over Day at the Spa and Don't Tell Sophia. So uh, that, again, uh, the older female, close hatches. Uh, then we went to a male sprinter, went to the Breeders' Cup winner, work all week, and second there, a horse that was highly regarded, Golden Sense, who is now retired, and beneath him was the Speedy Palace. Female sprinter, Wesley Ward, gets the job done with Judy the Beauty, who won by 260 votes. There are three other female sprinters that got one vote each. Stated earlier, main male turf horse, main sequence over Wise Dan. Uh, again, main sequence undefeated, Wise Dan, he... Ran quite a campaign himself, though it was spread out. I think some people are saying that maybe some of the competition that Wise Dan faced last season wasn't as tough as that of main sequence, again, who was four for four. Now, female turf horse did go to day at the spa, and she crushed the competition in there. Uh, steeplechase horse, the Clancy brothers will know this one, demonstrative, was a demonstrative winner. And then as far as owners were concerned, you could pretty much just look at the stats for owner and breeder. It was Ken and Sarah Ramsey with all those kitten joys they've got going. And as far as the trainer, well, it was, once again, Todd Pletcher. And in the jockey race, Javier Castellano bested John Velasquez and Mike Smith. And apprentice jockey from out on the West Coast, Drayden Van Dyke, got the top spot. So uh, I hope you got a chance to watch it. Uh, there were some pretty funny uh, speakers uh, there uh, at, the, uh, at the Eclipse Awards, of course, one of them being... Uh, 
Tom Durkin. Uh, David Grenning had some fun with him, saying you've just given an Eclipse Award to a person who's allergic to horses. So, again, California Chrome gets the top spot there, and he got the top spot with you. Uh, he was voted the NTRA Moment of the Year, which was a popular online poll. You got a chance to vote for that. And, again, so the California Chrome taking down honors all over the place with his Derby and Preakness wins. And, of course, uh, the nice uh, races he had at the uh, at the end of the season, too, facing older horses and racing on the grass. So, uh, again, we're going to talk later to uh, track announcer Tom Durkin. Uh, it was announced this week that he joined West Point Thoroughbreds, uh, Terry Finley. Uh, they started back in 1991, grew into one of the most respected partnerships in the industry, and they have the portfolios of nearly 500 partners and a stable. Uh, some not-so-good news out of Texas. Uh, Jackie uh, Roman Chapa, whose career has been interrupted twice for carrying an illegal electrical advice to stimulate horses, uh, some photography by Cody Photography. If you look at it up close, sure looks like a buzzer in his hand. Right now, I believe he has been taken off all of his mounts. And... Uh, see what happens there pending in Texas. Uh, Spring at last, the grade one winning millionaire is going to be leaving the United States and has been purchased by Prince Sultan bin Mohammed bin Saud Akhabir, the 12-year-old son of silver deputies, going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Well, let's take a look at some of uh, last week's results. As you know, uh, one of the races we looked at uh, was the Florida Sunshine Millions, Scott Jagow from the Pollock Report, and upset winner was Sir Quisacchino. I'm probably ruining that name. You may remember we had a guest on last year, Ron Paolucci, the guy from Cleveland that now splits home with Las Vegas. And uh, Ron Paolucci, you may recall, is the guy that privately purchased Rhea Antonio. Well, he claimed Sir Quisiano for $62,000 just prior to the quarter-million-dollar Sunshine Millions Classic, held on by a half a length after stalking the pace. So congratulations uh, to, to Ron in there. The 8-5 to five favorite, Wildcat Red, they found out that it appears that he has re-injured himself, so he will be on the shelf for a while. So Ron Paolucci finds another one out there. Uh, I think he said he's going to try to find some softer competition, but his philosophy was, hey, short field, quarter million dollars, why not go for it? Source his speed and drew the rail. Uh, then out at uh, Santa Anita, it was the grade two La Canada, and the winner in here, the girl in that song, great weekend for Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, won by four and a half lengths, stalked the pace, sprinted clear under my main man, Rafael Bejarano. Second was the even money favorite, Lexi Lou. Had a little trouble at the start, couldn't get up there, got up for second, and just held off the speedy JoJo Warrior that led by as much as four lengths uh, during the running of the La Canada. Again, that was out at Santa Anita. Well, we we talked about Jerry Hollendorfer. It was the 100th running of the California Derby out at Golden Gate Fields, and uh, Hollendorfer taking no chances in there. Uh, He had three horses in there, and the one that got the job done was cross the line, his rail speed horse. This was the fourth win in the California Derby for Jerry Hollendorfer. Of course, this race, no uh, Derby points this year, but a mile and a six 
16th. It will be interesting to see how things uh, stretch out for these horses. Hollendorfer uh, has just been having fantastic success on the West Coast and being able to transfer that across the country. So across the line was the win, put in a big, strong finish over Soul Driver, uh, Jeff Mullen's trainee that added blinkers and uh, seems to uh, be rounding into form. And in the third spot was Stand and Salute. So that were the three races that we looked at last week. Uh, not that they were the only ones that were run, and uh, but we do hope that Wildcat Red uh, comes back in the uh, sun after his injury in the Sunshine uh, Classic. We'll be pulling for that. Um, International Star, he won the LeCompte, uh, which is a, a derby prep, more or less. Uh, that'll start the series down at the fairgrounds. They do believe that uh, he'll probably be pointing for the Risen Star down there as his next start. Well, that's a roundup of what happened last week, a look at the Eclipse Award winners, and a guy that uh, gets an Eclipse Award uh, of merit, no stranger to fans in racing, the iconic Tom Durkin is going to be with us. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 1-2-3 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 1-2-3 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me again, one of the most iconic individuals in the sport, none other than Tom Durkin, uh, as you know him probably most as the voice at, at Naira. 
who called for so many years uh, right there. Uh, he's uh, not really uh, retired, as we say, only in, uh, retired from the announcer's booth for now. And we'll get into some of his uh, new responsibilities. But right now I want to just kind of talk with Tom for a little bit about uh, his uh, his entrance into the game, his feelings about the sport, and his uh, ties throughout his career. Tom Durkin, welcome to Winning Ponies. Yes, John. It's uh, uh, nice to be with you tonight. Well, uh can, can you tell us that, you know, every, everybody kind of has a different way of, of getting into the game. A lot of the guests I have on, uh, they either went to the, the track with their dad or, or, or an uncle uh, as their introduction to the sport. And, and I'm wondering exactly what were the footsteps that brought you into racing? Uh, yeah, I guess, well, my dad was a, a, a horse player. Um, I, I suppose I went out to, to the track with him. Um, but... Uh, maybe the guys in the neighborhood. I don't know. We 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 just kind of gravitated uh, toward the uh, toward the track and um, uh, just you know wound up there for forty three years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can under I can understand that. Um, well, what uh, what were the steps that you took to eventually land in the announcers booth? Uh, well, I, I started, I grew up in Chicago, and uh, my childhood uh, idol was Phil Georgette. So I, um, I I started out doing my Phil Georgette imitation. He was a, a very unique announcer, and uh, because he was so unique, he was, I, I just found him easy to imitate. Um, so I did my Phil Georgette imitation. You know, he always said at the top of every, at the stretch, every race, here they come, spinning out of the turn, and with great enthusiasm. He was a, he was a great, great race caller. And so I just did my uh, invitation to him, and my buddies would uh, run around, uh, you know, the corner, and, and I'd use that with horses, and <laughs> I, called, uh, I called their names, and all of Phil George F., and started out like that. And then um, I just decided I wanted to be a race caller at a very young age, probably, you know, 13, 14, 15, and through there. And when I went to college, uh, I was a theater major. That that helped along the way. And then um, I, I managed to get a, a job calling um, county fair races in Wisconsin that started there. Uh, what was your path to, to Naira? Because most of the announcers I know, like you, started somewhere at a county fair. Luke Kreitbosch comes to mind that eventually landed at Churchill Downs. Uh, so, well, what different tracks? Because it's a very small fraternity uh, track announcers. What was your path to Naira? All right, we've got about a half an hour. I can start uh, <laughs> reeling off all the places I worked. Uh, I worked at, you know, like those county fairs in Wisconsin. I did that for three years, uh, three summers while I was going to college. Uh, then I got a job as a call taker for the racing forum. And I worked at Thistledown, Cahokia Downs, Fairmont Park. And then my first uh, parimutuel job was at a place called, uh, at that time, Florida Downs, now known as Tampa Bay Downs. And then I did a little gig at uh, Quad City Downs uh, Harness. Uh, an actual quarter horse meet at, at uh, Commonwealth Park in Louisville, Kentucky, used to be known as Miles Park. Yes. And then, oh gosh, um, Balmoral Park, Cahokia Downs, um, 
Meadowlands, Hialeah, um, and then eventually, I guess, yeah, to uh, uh, the Irish record. Well, along the way, uh, can you uh, describe how you uh, developed your style? I do believe at one point during this last year, somebody asked you somewhat of a similar question, and I think your answer was something along the lines was, well, I'm Irish, and Irishmen, well, they tend to tell stories. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was was part of the deal. Uh, You know, being Irish, actually being from the Midwest uh, helped quite a bit because I... uh, uh, Midwesterners don't have a real thick accent uh, like uh, people from other parts of the country, so uh, that helped quite a bit. And um, um, just yeah, yeah, being Irish and other stuff, we do, we do, we do like to tell stories. <laughs> and uh, just being a person that you know uh, likes being with people, and, and uh, uh, I just like. Tell us stories, I suppose. Yeah, that helped quite a bit. Well, uh, certainly, uh, I've enjoyed so many of your calls uh, over the years, and uh, I'm not going to ask you to point out one, and I'm not going to point out one because there were just too many. But I think that's that's what you did. Now, um, most uh, I've worked alongside track announcers for 30 years at different at different tracks, and uh, most of them will tell you don't handicap the race because once those gates open. Everything changes. So was that your style, was just to memorize the horses and not worry about who was supposed to be where? Mm, absolutely not, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tried to plot out where I thought the horses would be. I handicapped the, the races quite a bit. Um, if you have a, a front runner uh, like, say, Bay Aaron, let's say if he had uh, broke last in the, in, the, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, I mean, that, that, that's quite a story. Uh, he, he was expected to go to the lead, and he did. So uh, you, you just have to, like Street Sense was a big stretch runner. I mean, I, uh, he came from last pace in the, in the Kentucky Derby. So I, uh, I, I, I handicapped quite a bit, actually. Well, along with that, and uh, this is something that uh, some announcers do and some announcers definitely won't, did you ever bet the ponies? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, not so much uh, toward the end. Um, I, I think that you know, in, in New York, they didn't want people to uh, that work for the track to bet at that point at a certain point. So I, I, I did, I, but I never really bet uh, so much to uh, make a big difference in the race calls. But I, but I bet to to, to maintain an interest in the sport. Uh, and I, and I actually, if it was up to me, I. I'd make the point of all race callers being horse players. Yeah, because the public is thinking the same thing, like, oh, my God, he was supposed to be on the lead and he's not, or "Where? where's my closer, where is he? And you would be able to, to pick him up a lot of times uh, just as he was making that winning move. Well, with, with your involvement with the sport so much, you kind of did a pay-forward uh, effort in being a board member of the Backstretch Employee Service Team, which they called the, the, the best, and you, you earned, they say, uh, perhaps over $200,000. Um, ha- are you going to uh, maintain your association with some of the charitable programs in, in thoroughbred racing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing, I'll be doing that. Uh, uh, I, I, can't, I can't say right now exactly what I will be doing, but uh, that. Yeah, that that'll be part of the equation. There's uh, 
there's no way that uh, I, I could feel good about myself if I didn't give back to the game that gave so much to me. Well, I, I know the, the the day that they they had your your send off at Saratoga, uh, we all gathered around the TV. Even though the races were over, we stuck around for it. And um, heck, I, I thought you were talking to me. I, I grew up. Uh, I knew little Andy when he was still little Andy at Saratoga. And when you said there's everybody was saying, "Oh my God, he's starting to point out the person you know who's responsible for this," and we're waiting for this name. And and all of a sudden you said at a picnic table at an OTB in Syracuse where I grew up or at a racetrack in Ohio where I currently work. <laughs> Tom, I thought you were talking to me. That was just a sensational <laughs> send off. Yeah, that was that was a great day at Saratoga. I, I, I it really blew me away. I had no idea the reaction would be what it was. And it's uh, something I'll carry with me for as long as I live. It was it was just an unbelievable experience. Well, uh, all I can say is, uh, you know, from the, all the people out there that uh, loved your race calls over the year, it was an honor as one of the millions to be included as the, the, the people that influenced you. Well, over the years, being in New York, you obviously got to know some of the main players, and it looks like uh, that you're going to be joining uh, Terry Finley at West Point Thoroughbred Partnerships. Um, how did this come about, and what's your role going to be, Tom? Well, you know, I, I know Terry uh, uh, for, for for many years. You know, having uh, just uh, been around the New York racing, and uh, and they've really got a terrific organization. I mean, last year they were the the number one public partnership in the earnings uh, in America. They 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 play the game at a uh, a very high level, um, and you know they're 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 just good folks. I mean, they're they're they have a great deal of integrity and. And it's a, a company that uh, I just love love to be associated with. Well, and I think a lot of people are going to want to be associated with Tom Durkin. So I think as part of the team, uh, you're you're going to be a great magnet for perhaps you know bringing in new owners to West Point. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean uh, the thoroughbred partnerships. You know, it's, it's just a great way to to get involved in the game. Uh, you know, it, it, it really, you know, owning, I own harness horses. I own a couple of harness horses and, and I've been really, really lucky there. My, my, me and my uh, business partner, Joseph Pantero, and we've had, uh, we've had a, a couple good horses over the last few years, but it, it can be a very expensive uh, aspect to, to be involved in thoroughbred racing. So when you, when you, when you split up the cost of a whole bunch of people and, and you still get that, uh, uh, ownership, uh, pride, and, and excitement and involvement uh, is just a great way to go. It really is, and that's been most of the way I've been involved in, in thoroughbred ownership and in that it's a better to own part of a good one than, than all of a bad one. And it's also a, a fun kind of team effort because you get to know the other people that are partners with you on different horses. That's the great thing about horse racing. It's one of the great things about horse racing. It's, it's a social thing <laughs> you uh you know you you go to the track and i mean i, I you know you know you, you 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 long for the glory days of when you know you when you were you know thirty thousand people at uh you know belmont park every saturday afternoon and uh and, and people congregated there and, and people still do go but it doesn't it, it because you can just pick up a phone and bet on a horse now it's uh it's not uh quite the 
uh, interactive event that it used to be. But uh, yeah, when you're when you're involved with a, with a group of owners and 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 uh, you know you're you're cheering and rooting for that for that horse, uh, there's a there's a fraternity there that uh, that makes it very enjoyable. Now, obviously, uh, I'm guessing with West Point Thoroughbreds, you're not going to get up every morning, grab a briefcase, and go into an office at 9 to 5. Um, kind of how John, is your is role going, going to be as far as that? Will you be traveling from track to track? Will you be uh, uh, finding certain horses that you guys want to break into partnerships and, and make some calls for them? Uh, or do you even know yet? No, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I'm, not, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be a sales person. Uh, you know, go, hey, we got a horse here, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, it's not going to be like that at all. But uh, partnership development and in a very general sense is what I'll be doing, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm sure they're they're looking forward to uh, your participation in it, and anybody that's going to be a partner and gets a chance to be around you, Tom, uh, you, you just give off such a positive vibration. You're an outstanding ambassador for the sport. Uh, I've always considered you the, the best race caller in North America. That I'll miss, but uh, the fact that you're still going to be involved in the sport is going to be a plus, and I, I can't help but uh, wish you the best and hope that our paths cross someday. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. And uh, if you're interested in a horse, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I finish off paying these college loans, my wife thinks i got a girlfriend named Sally May. They keep calling. <laughs> you should have been like me. You've been to college for five and a half years. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a son that's dead. Don't hey, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time, and I, I wish you best of the luck with uh, West Point Thoroughbreds. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All the best. All right. We've been talking to the legendary Tom Dirk and wish him the best with his association with West Point. Want to thank him for his time this evening being here on Winning Ponies. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be with a guy that has a very unique perspective of thoroughbred racing, but that perspective has put him in line to earn a $2 million bonus at the National Handicapping Championships. His name is Eric Moomy. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing... 
The one, two, three racing pick six. America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one, two, three racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at one, two, three bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, uh, someone new to Winning Ponies, uh, Eric Moomy is his name. Uh, he's a 42-year-old lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force, and he's got a shot at making some big bucks. He just won uh, the, the final brick-and-mortar National Handicapping Championship Qualifier of the Year at Monmouth Park just after Christmas, and the title of 2014 Daily Racing Form. NHC Tour Champion. Now, uh, while he's got a chance for some big bucks, he's still taking home some pretty good money this year. That contest alone was worth $75,000 that went with it. And uh, so he's going to He's, he's in Las Vegas right now, and he's going to be going to the big dance coming up this week. And uh, should he go on to win the 16th uh, Daily Racing Form NTRA National Handicapping Championship, again, he'll receive a $2 million bonus. With us right now, Eric Moomy. Eric, does that $2 million uh, put, put some extra weight on your back? You know, it's actually uh, really exciting. And, uh, it definitely presents a, a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, which is how I'm treating it. So I'm uh, I'm going for broke on this one. So if it's my day, uh, you're going to see me up top. And if it's not, that's okay, too. Uh, I've had a great year, so it's been a lot of fun. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for your service, being a lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force. Uh, how, do you, how do you mix your time? How do you mix your career and playing the ponies? Yeah, you know that's always uh, you know that's always a challenge. You got to balance uh, your life. Uh, I do uh, I do work a lot of hours in obviously in the Air Force, and uh, but I do have the great benefit of contests being on the weekends, so I have the the ability to focus on that in the evenings and on the weekends. And uh, you know, I, you know, the Air Force is uh, you know my education is is astronautical engineering, and so it's. Uh, you know, it certainly the the math side of things doesn't hurt, and uh, so I'm, uh, you know, it's a it's a way to unwind and and uh, enjoy my evening. Well, uh, as I've read you being quoted as saying that in your career you did space acquisitions, satellites, airplanes, procuring air systems for the Air Force. Uh, you just mentioned that you're good at math. You find handicapping or playing the ponies educationally stimulating. 
And so you sit there with the data and crunch it all day long, and it's a hobby that's obviously made you some pretty good money on the side and could, could be a huge pot of gold at the end of the rainbow before the week is out. Um, so what you do is you manipulate data, but what I've heard, I believe you say, is that you don't actually use the past performances. Now, I know you don't want to give away any secrets like a magician wouldn't, but can you vaguely describe how you approach uh, either a contest or a particular race? Sure. So, you know, it's um, one day it dawned on me when I, I don't remember if it was, I think it was a contest that I had went to or it might have actually just been um, sitting there doing races. And I looked across, and I watched everyone look at the past performances. And I said, this is crazy. I'm going to just draw the same conclusions as everybody else does. And so my thought is, if I need to be different, to succeed at this game, I can't draw the same conclusions. In fact, if I looked at the past performances, I'll probably gravitate towards a favorite and find a hard, hard time to, to move off. And so my focus is to not look at the past performances. I usually start handicapping a race about 10 minutes before the race goes off. You're kidding. Because for me, for me, that data is important. I don't have, you know, I don't have, I don't have any sense of value until I get the odds, right? So if I, if I think a horse should be 20 to 1 and he's 5 to 1, I'm not going to know that until, until we get closer. So... Um, so I definitely don't look at the past performances, and I try to I try to find uh, races that I think could provide uh, opportunity and value, and so I gravitate towards races that I think could do that. And I start at the top at the highest odds, and I work my way backwards, and I ask myself, can this horse win the race at those conditions? And if I can find a case that that horse could win the race, that's generally where I stop. Now, yeah, you've so that's got different. So I may never even make it down to the favorite because if I looked at the favorite, I'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, that favorite will win." And that's well, not always the case, obviously, because otherwise they would win every time. Oh, okay. Now you're kind of blowing my mind here. Um, again, so while again you, you're looking at, uh, at analytics, but when you say uh, you go down and you look at the conditions, uh, do you what? What are you looking at? Are you are you at least looking at a racing form or some kind of figure sheet? I mean, you, you you've got to have some guide to the horses you're betting on. Yeah, so there's four systems that I use. Uh, one was completely homegrown. Uh, uh, I use, and then I use. Uh, one system that I do pay, you know, that I do pay some money for, mostly because it's a wealth of, of information that is not necessarily available on the, you know, on the on the racing form. Even within the program itself, it has the form, and I don't click that button. That's not. I try to stay away from that. Um, but what I do is the systems that I have, when they coalesce, that's when I know I've got my winner. And so you said, how did you pick that winner? Well, I knew that that horse was my horse when the you know hairs on the back of my neck stood up because all of my systems kind of started gravitating towards the same one. Uh, and I usually look at the long shot horses only. And so I, I take Mammoth, for example. I hit an 11-to-1 shot, and then uh, I played uh, – I had to play 10 races, so I played um, – 
four show, I think five show races in a row on favorites, and I, I got one out of the five to come in the top three. So, obviously, I'm not very good at, <laughs> at doing the short price horses. Now, I, I have to ask, ask you, though, what was your first entrance into the game? I mean, how did you all of a sudden say, oh, horse racing, let me take a look at this? I was actually in uh, Charlestown in a casino, uh, and I lost all my money at the, or was losing some money at the slot machines. I said, well, this is stupid. And so I worked my way. They happened to do live racing that day, and I worked my way over there, and I looked at the field of people sitting around and playing. And I don't know, I guess I just didn't, I was like, really? I think I can beat these guys. And so I started learning the game, and I realized that actually I couldn't. Actually, the guys that have been sitting around there, I'm like, you know, I've got, you know, advanced degrees in engineering. I should be able to figure this out. Well, as it turns out, these guys are pretty smart. And it's not necessarily, you know, there's an art to it more than, you know, more than just science. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of how I gravitated to it. And it was actually because it was hard and I found it very difficult is what intrigued me more. And I said, you know what, I'm going to keep at this until I figure it out. Well, obviously, uh, you you have you have figured it out through your uh, the abilities that the uh, Air Force has thrown at you and your 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 career there, uh, because nobody can argue with success and the fact that uh, you're in Vegas right now. You're going to be going to the contest uh, in short time, and you have uh, one of the biggest chances of, of anyone as far as uh, you know pulling down that that extra two million dollars. So. Um, looks like my uh, my producer here is telling me uh, due for uh, a, a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you a few more questions about your approach to racing, and maybe we'll take a look at a couple of the big races down at Gulfstream Park this week. Uh, not necessarily asking you who you like, but maybe how you would approach the race, and I'll give you a little input as to who I think some of the horses to beat are. Good with you. We're talking with... Eric Moomy, who's out there at the National Handicapping Championship, you're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at Tough the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the one two three Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one two three Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. 
licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Eric Moomy. Before we get on to that, I want to remind you, that uh, one, two, three racing pick six is America's newest handicapping contest style pick six wager. One, two, three racing. It's not like any other pick six. It's a two dollar pick six with a twist. You can win America's most exciting wager by scoring points across six races to scoop up the pool. All you need to do to play is uh, at one, two, three bet dot com. Winners are guaranteed every week. Again, they're guaranteeing $100,000 in payouts. It's pretty easy. Play today. Write this down, 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. And if you want a great tool to help you find some of the winners for that contest, don't forget to go to winningponies.com and pick up your easy win form. Well, again, um, on the air with me right now is uh, Eric Moomy. He's uh, with us uh, from Las Vegas, getting ready for the big contest out there. And uh, Eric, uh, you, your your approach to this uh, this sport is is just so unique. Now, I, I think I read somewhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. That when you actually go to the contest, uh, you've tried uh, being by yourself. You've tried socializing, and you feel it's best when maybe you just kind of isolate yourself in the information. Was that you? I was reading about. Yeah, I actually um, last year at the NHC, I ended up finding myself socializing to the point where I actually missed a race that I wanted to play. And so I I get kind of upset when I beat myself, as it were, where I take myself out of the game, not because I don't know what I'm doing, but because I find in an on-site tournament there's a lot of distractions. And so I had to, I, that was something I had to fix about myself and work on, and that's what I did at Belmont this year. That was my goal, was to take my online ability and bring it to on-site. So I was able to finish first in two major tournaments out of eight, and so I was uh, real happy in the results that I had. Yeah, I think I read, I read that in a column uh, written by uh, Pete Fornatale. It's been on the show before. He's the uh, contest coordinator and writer for the Daily Racing Forum. I think that's where I got that. Well, I know that I, I kind of, as a guy that doesn't use PPs, I'm kind of asking you to get out of your range a little bit, looking at these races at Gulfstream Park. Starting with the Hutchinson, it's a seven furlong race for three-year-olds, but you'll end up seeing a lot of these three-year-olds nominated for the Triple Crown. There's horses that uh, they hope that uh, bouncing off this effort they can uh, stretch out a little bit maybe end up in the Florida Derby or one of the other races at Gulfstream Park pointing towards the Kentucky Derby um, did uh, in the seventh race at Gulfstream the grade three Hutchinson uh, can you tell us if there's any horses that uh, kind of drew, drew your attention obviously they're not going to be in the contest yeah you know it, it's actually been quite a while since I've looked at past performances so I, th- I found it a very intriguing thing you know, I haven't even, I'm getting ready to play a big tournament tomorrow, and, 
you're like, hey, look at Saturday races. <laughs> I was laughing. I'm like, I haven't even looked at Friday races yet. The, uh, um, you know, so when I look at it, what I like about races like this is these are horses that are maturing quickly. Uh, a lot can happen. And so, you know, these are the kinds of horses, these are the kinds of races that, that can be good for, you know, a long shot winner, especially if there's, is a horse that, um, has been accomplished, uh, then there's, uh, you know, a big chance for an upset. I, you know, I think of, uh, I'll have another back in the day when he was like 40 to one in Santa Anita and, you know, he came out of nowhere and he was just a really good horse. Um, you know, in this, in this specific race, you know, like any other, if I played this in a contest, I would obviously be gravitating towards ones that might be a little longer. And I might try one that's completely unaccomplished, maybe a maiden winner, for example, that really hasn't done a whole lot yet, uh, but has some potential promise. And is there a name of that horse in the uh, Hutchinson? You know, I'm... Uh, you know, it's funny because when I look at the past performances, I do exactly what I always did, and I draw it to the horses that are logical on paper. And so um, it kind of throws me out of my game. And so what I would do on a day of, I'd look at I'd look at the odds, uh, and and then I also figure what I'm doing. Am I playing a contest? Am I playing for cash? What am I doing? And and so the first question I'm going to ask myself is, what do I think other people are going to play? And, I'm and I think in this race, list. that would easily be so. Barbados and Bluegrass Singer, uh, who have both had uh, great success at Gulfstream Park. So you're probably looking at some of the horses on the inside, those two breaking from the outside. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because in a contest, a lot of people don't go for the short price horses. And so it depends where I am in a contest. I might actually go for a short price horse because I might be the only one that plays it. Um, so it's... It's really unique. It depends where we are in the contest. Um, but I'll tell you, a contest like the NHC, where you get to pick your races, this isn't a race I would pick because I'm going to look for a, a you know really a wide open field. Um, for this one, I would just pass and hope that, like you said, that Barbados or something like that comes you know comes on home. Uh, Bluegrass Singer looks like another one that, that's got a great shot. Yeah, those two, definitely the most accomplished. And, again, horses for courses that love Gulfstream Park. Well, again, uh, a race that uh, could have an impact on the Kentucky Derby, the Holy Bull. It's a grade two. They're asking these horses to go a mile and a sixteenth. Now, Bluegrass Singer was cross-entered in both the Hutchinson and this race, so I'm not sure if he's going to go in it or not. But in here, you've got uh, Frosted, horse coming in from New York, trained by Kara McLaughlin, a son of Tappet, uh, one of the hottest studs in uh, the world right now, uh, just missed in the Renson, which is a very solid race in New York. Uh, he may well be the, the one to beat in here. Other than that, it looks like a lot of horses that kind of fit your profile that uh, could be on the upswing and could get some odds. Is there anybody that caught your attention? Yeah, you know, I'll be interested to see what Upstart does on this. I know he's the favorite in this one, but the reason I say that is because I had bet him in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge at 6-1, to one, close to 7-1 to one odds, uh, and I had uh, that was it. I was out after him. So uh, that'll just be that'll just be an interesting thing. I certainly won't go that direction. Obviously, um, there are some that I think are that are intriguing uh, in here, and uh, we'll see where the where the prices come up. But uh, the nine horse, you know, a thirty-one morning line, 
you know, I was like, that's that's pretty significant. I know he's not as accomplished, um, but he certainly has won some races, and uh, you know, so that that speaks highly. And uh, you know, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be looking for some for some long price horses, and uh, we'll, we'll see what we get. You know, and so sometimes sometimes on these type of horses, one gets really overbet. So if Upstart is like really hit hard then I'll be looking at this race heavy. And with good reason, again, that the horse that uh, Eric Moomy's talking about, Upstart, uh, ran third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, was second in the Grade 1 Champagne. It is a New York bred, went two for two uh, while running against state breds, but obviously a horse that's got a lot of upside to him. So it looks like Upstart and Frosted, the New York Invaders, will probably be the favorite, and there's going to be a lot of long shot opportunities in there. Well, my producer's telling me i got about two minutes left. Uh, we go to the forward gale. Again, this is a seven furlong sprint, but these horses could stretch out. You could see some of these fillies uh, in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, hard to say uh, who would be the favorite, but I'd have to point to Akati's Fetian, who won the old hat at six furlongs, which is traditionally a prep for this race. Um, any uh, observations uh, for the forward gale in the time we have left, Eric? Yeah, I actually made a note on this one. I actually like Taylor. I think, uh, you know, it, that that horse looks very intriguing to see if she can extend her distance. Um you know, it'll, it'll be, uh, that'll be, you know, a lot of these, it's a challenge because some of them haven't run at this distance yet. But uh, I think that would, in my mind, that would be one that I'd be looking at in terms of, uh, you know, of a price. Well, obviously, the, the, the horse has uh, legitimate uh, connections. A uh, daughter of Medallia Dioro, uh, who's uh, trained by Dale Romans and comes into this race with something you probably don't use, and that's the buyer speed figures. It's a, it's a 94. There's three horses in here with 94 uh, top buyers, and that's Taylor S. Sedewer, uh who ships in from the West Coast, and Enchantress, a horse that was highly regarded in New York. Uh, Todd Fletcher threw blinkers on and all of a sudden had a wake-up call in its last race. So this one's about as wide open as they get, and I do think the target's on the back of Ikati's Phaeton, if I'm saying that correct. Well, we've been talking with uh, with Eric Moomy, and so, Eric, while you're out there, you're not just pointing to uh, Tuesday's contest. You're going to play in uh, some other contest to try to get you some uh, uh, greens in your jeans before the big day, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we always we always have fun, and uh, you know they gave us a, actually when we showed up they gave us a hundred dollar chip to play, and I'm like so I'm I'm looking forward to go downstairs and seeing what we can make happen. Well, that is just just fantastic. Uh, we've been talking to 42 year old Eric Moomy. We're going to be rooting for him in the uh, National Handicap Championship that's uh, that's going to be coming up here in Las Vegas. Eric, thank you so much for your time, and I wish you best of luck with uh, a system that uh, I've never quite heard of before in handicap racing. But obviously, it works. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, best of luck to Eric Moomy, and I want to thank Tom Durkin so much for uh, spending time with us, and I want to thank you listeners. Uh, we've uh, had uh, people giving us input from all over the world that they're tuning in to Winning Ponies. So as I sit here overlooking a manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want to wish you all best of luck, and remember, bet with your head, not over it. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.